Is this the dagger? Oh! Illegal substitution. Too many men on the field. Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey, it's the Outsiders podcast number 44. Brent Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. How you doing today, Robin? Everything okay? Well, aside from freezing my ass off, yeah, everything's cool. Ah, it's just, you know what? We get this every year. It's called winter. But it's bo- <laughs> it's bone-chillingly cold. There's no denying that. Minus 30 with the wind chill, minus 40. In some spots in Saskatchewan today, I noticed the wind chill, minus 56 today. That's a <laughs> God almighty. Couldn't be doing a halftime show at a Grey Cup game out in that weather. Okay, let's get to the Super Bowl. Wow. It is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer victory, surprisingly, over uh, a team that was the defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Your thoughts on what you saw yesterday? Well, you know, I I was a little bit stunned by the final score. Uh, I was hoping... Tampa Bay would win, but to be honest with you, Bryn, I thought uh, it would be Kansas City. Mahomes is such a terrific young quarterback. Yeah, uh, A lot of things pointed at them, but I wanted Tampa to win, not because I've got any emotional ties to the Bucks, but for me, and you can count me as a not a doubter in the past, but a whatever Tom Brady guy in the past, I wasn't a big Pats guy. But when he comes over 43 years old and gets this team uh, to the cusp of another Super Bowl for him, I thought, okay, I'm I'm all in on the Bucs. Let's see Brady do this. Hoped he would, didn't think he would. So, wow, what a a result. It was a really weird game. You know what? Once they got the lead, they never never let their foot off the gas. But, you know, I guess – other than the halftime show, and we can talk quickly about that too later, but I, so I'm watching the whole thing go through and you see two touchdown passes to Gronk and I'm thinking, yeah. I've seen this movie before, but as I'm watching Tom Brady hold up the Lombardi trophy at the end of it, I'm thinking to myself, okay, a couple of years ago, I finally convinced myself that he's the greatest of the quarterbacks I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of great ones. Right. And Joe Montana first comes to mind, even Steve Young. I mean, we could go on and on and on about great quarterbacks, Drew Brees. I mean, it's it's a long list, but and Peyton Manning. But he clearly within the last two years, in my in my view, has moved to number one. And and so as I'm watching him hold the trophy up, I'm thinking to myself, now I've got to the, to the next level. Is he the greatest of them all? And I'm not just talking about football. I'm talking about every sport. Wayne Gretzky was extremely dominant in hockey. We all know that. Michael Jordan, and now LeBron James, I guess, if you'd like, in basketball. We could go on and on through every sport. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in in uh, soccer. We, I mean, I just don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen a guy this dominant. Now, it's funny, having the discussion with the 13-year-old in the house last night who absolutely loves Michael Jordan, I said, yeah, but Michael 
Michael went from the Chicago Bulls to the Washington Wizards. And I thought to myself at that time, how's this going to work out? Well, it didn't work out very well. Now, I thought the exact same thing when I saw Tom Brady go to Tampa. And I'm thinking, I don't know how this is going to work out. Well, it seemed to, that, that one seemed to work out pretty good. I can't find uh, a reasonable argument against Tom, Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game uh, either side of the border because we like our game up here too. Overall, you all, you, you, it gets muddy, right? Oh, well, yeah. what's, what's, what's basketball compared to, you know, the quarter, quarterback is the most important position. You know what? I don't know who you'd pick ahead of him. You mentioned Michael Jordan. For me, he's always been that guy, partially because of my generation. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish he hadn't wasted a couple of years going to play minor league baseball. Uh, Maybe the legacy would be even something more than it was. But to me, Michael Jordan is, is... Probably number one, but man, if Brady's right there on his heels for me, I mean, the number of championships, they're both in team sports, you know, compared to the individual guys. You could look at some tennis players, you could look at different people, but yeah, Brady's right there. And at 43 years old, that was the thing for me. How many people perform at the top of their game at 43 years old. I can't think of anybody, not Jordan, not uh, pick a guy, Babe Ruth. We don't know about LeBron James yet. Right. Uh, It's tough to argue against Tom Brady. I know. It's just kind of an amazing moment for me last night watching all of that. And just, it just, it was running through my brain. Everybody's, you're right. It's tough to compare sports. There's, There's no denying that. But I'm just watching this guy, and I'm with you. He won the majority of his championships, his seven titles, when he was past 35. Yeah. And, I, you know, you do have to have a great supporting cast with you, but man, oh, man. Okay, well, listen, uh, you know, uh, we, we can talk about that further with our two guests coming up on the show a little bit too because obviously it does blend across sports, so, so we'll chat about that. Yep. Okay, it's time to become the two old guys on the Muppets here. What do you think of the halftime show with The weekend? Spelt funny. I just realized for the first time yesterday that you spell weekend like that. <laughs> so uh, my son, Sam, uh, he, dad, can you, you know, I don't know if you're watching the game, but can you record the halftime so I can watch it? We ended up watching it anyway. You know what? He's a talented guy. I love it. And he, Hey, he puts up 7 million bucks so he can perform. I mean, that's putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Look, you go through my playlist in my car. I don't have a bunch of weekend on it. Let's be honest. I, I'm, you know, you're Statler. I'm Waldorf. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not the weekend at the top of my playlist. But he's a bloody talented guy. Yeah. And when I do listen to him, I tap my toes and I enjoy it. So good for him. I thought it was fine. The last thing I want to see even though when you talk about a generational thing, is a band that I used to like, but that hasn't had a new song out or a hit in 15 years. Enough of that already. 
So go with this guy. I thought it was great. I thought he put on a great show. And uh, yeah, I'm making fun of the the Muppet Show guys. Uh, but but for the most part, I understand what it is. I, I'm 61. I do not fit the category or the demo that the National Football League is trying to hit with the halftime show. So I have two options. I can sit in the balcony and, and bitch whine and complain about it. Or I can sit back and I can watch somebody perform, who's a Canadian, and think to myself, hey, you put on a pretty good show. That was fun. But it's just that uh, the <laughs> thing that just drives me nuts is watching the the people. You know what? People were bitching and whining about Tom Brady winning again because there's a jealousy factor. I think there's a little bit yep. of that also coming in when you're talking about a halftime show. They're not targeting me. They're certainly not targeting me. And I think that they probably hit a home run with it in a year that it was really difficult. Like there's no real audience there. I know they had about 20,000 in there, but it used to be, you'd be right in the middle of the field and you'd be surrounded by younger people with uh, little phones or little lights that would light up. I've been to Super Bowls. I've seen how it works. And uh, to me, I just, I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. And, uh, for what the NFL was trying to do, and congratulations to them for pulling off a season. And they had to work their schedule a little bit to get some of those games in, but they got through yeah. it, and they need to be congratulated for that. I just thought it was a, a, a really strong finish for the National Football League, considering that about halfway through, I'm wondering, how are they going to get all these games in that they've had to push back? Right? Well, the yeah, exactly. The only downside for me, Bryn, yeah. and I'm just being old and crotchety here because it's ongoing. Please present the trophy to the players and coaches first. They're the ones who play and win the games. Ongoing bitch of mine, but I thought it again yesterday. Give it to the players. So why do you think, is that how America works? You give it to the money guy, you don't give it to the guy who played? Well, apparently so, at least in the National Football League, and I get it. Maybe you don't have a team unless somebody signs the checks, but on the field, when the last down has been played, hand the silverware to the players. And, and not why, the owner. And why not have the entire team up on the on the the big platform with the confetti and everything? Sure. Like, soccer does that. The NHL does that. But for you know, you don't see that from Major League Baseball. You don't see that from the NBA, and you certainly don't see it from the NFL. I'm with you. But you know what? I'm past the point of bitching, whining, and complaining about it because nothing is going to change in terms of that. It's the only thing that is constant is that people will bitch, whine, and complain about it on Twitter every time that that happens. But all right, well, let's uh, let's talk about who we got coming up on the show today. We are going to be chatting with uh, TSN insider Darren Drager. We haven't had Darren on in almost six months. I can't believe that. So mm -hmm. as the NHL is inching very quickly towards the quarter pole in this shortened season, we'll have to check in with Darren. We can also get his thoughts on uh, all sorts of other stuff going on. So looking forward to talking to him. And Dave Campbell, one of the radio voices of the Edmonton Football Club, is also going to be joining us today. We'll talk about, okay, when when are we going to see a CFL schedule? Does he think there's going to be one? The Edmonton Football Club have signed a few people. And the biggest story that's kind of popping up this morning is that they have now whittled it down to seven names, seven potential names for the football team in Edmonton. 
and they're stuck on this EE thing, which I, I, I'm, I, I'm against because it just narrows everything down. Should I just tell everybody what the names are? The Go names, ahead, man. The Read names, them off. Evergreens, Eagles, ugh, Elk Hounds, really? Eclipse, <laughs> Elk, Evergolds, and Elements. Those are your names. So, uh, uh, we, we, you know, there is, it's no, I, I, I mean, not one of them I like. Not one of them I like, man. Sorry, here, here but we, are we, the, we can talk about that we're, later. We're the Muppet Show guys again. You know who's waiting to get on the show, and we're going to get to him right now, and that is Darren Drager from TSN. Don't forget, The Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. We'll tell you more about the great work that they are doing. They are off to a great start in 2021. We'll tell you more about it. But up next, we check in with TSN's insider, Darren Drager. It's hard to believe it's been six months since we chatted with our next guest, Darren Dreger from TSN. How are you doing today? You're looking sharp. Uh, I don't know if I'm looking sharp. I'm looking like it is Monday after the Super Bowl. Uh, and if it were healthier times, I'd probably be looking a lot worse because my Super Bowl party was my lovely wife, Holly, and I, and that's it. Look, we've got grown children who live in our house, and this is how bad it's gotten because we've been together in the same house for like nine, ten 11 months, whatever it is. So my 19-year-old son um, didn't even watch the football game with Holly and I. He had better things to do or preferred to watch by himself in the basement. And my daughter, who's almost 22, she hung in for the chicken wings. And then as soon as she had the homemade chicken wings, she ditched us too. So, I mean, I've been to a lot of great cup parties and Super Bowl parties over the years, but this is another one where the pandemic just took a big bite out of it. Hey, listen, before we start talking hockey, then let's just stay with the Super Bowl thing for a minute. And and we, Robin and I were talking off the top. It's one thing to admit that Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback we've seen play in the NFL. But last night, it kind of dawned on me as he's holding up the trophy. Is he the most dominant guy I've ever seen in sports or the sports that we watch? And we're talking, you know, we're throwing him in there with Michael Jordan in basketball and maybe yeah. maybe LeBron who's getting getting there, Wayne Gretzky in hockey. You know, I even mentioned Ronaldo uh, in in yeah. soccer or even Pele or whatever. But do you do you think he's now put himself into that level where he's now above his sport, or do you think do you think it's too tough and too murky to make that comparable? Well, if he's not, then he's got to be right there. So wherever the top of the sport is. You know, Tom Brady's name is is first on that page, on that line for me. You know, is he that much better than who would be number two on the list? Uh, I'm not an NFL aficionado, so I'd be open to debate it. Uh, But, I mean, look, I I think most of us can celebrate the Tom Brady story, and that was my feeling going into the Super Bowl was I believe that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs were a better football team, but the Brady factor matters. I didn't think that it was going to matter this much going into this game. Now we know that, you know, Andy Reid and the, and the Kansas city chiefs had to make, you know, adjustments to their offensive line because of injury. And clearly that took a toll or did it. I don't know. I mean, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just tuned up and uh, went through a pile of tape and saw something beyond the injury 
and the adjustments that the Chiefs had to make that they could expose and isolate because, you know, Patrick Mahomes did not have the same amount of time that we're accustomed to seeing him have. And then the Brady factor absolutely took control of that football game. Um, and what I'm left wondering, um, you know, I, I, I look, I, I'm a Tom Brady fan because I'm a fan of great athletes. I don't care what the jersey says. It doesn't matter to me. Um, so I was I was cheering for him going into the football game. I just didn't think it was realistic they were going to win. But what was more telling to me was after the game when I think a microphone caught him saying, hey, we're, let's get back here. Let's do it again. And who's going to question that they've got the ability to do it again? And that's what you think of or I think of when I think of the greatest of all time. So he's got to be right at the top of the list in football. Yeah, the thing for me, Darren, is this, and you touched on it. You can talk about the the mystique and the success machine that the Patriots have been and Bill Belichick and yeah. the crew that you just know how to win. He goes to a new team at 43 years old and wins a Super Bowl right out of the blocks. Like, how many guys make that switch? LeBron's done it as a younger man, but nothing about Belichick here. Yeah, he he grabbed Rob Gronkowski and said, hey, let's go to Tampa. But aside from that, he walked into a new team, a new situation, and won another Super Bowl. I mean, it was awesome. Um, And and it was awesome because of, of the historic relevance to it. But it, it, it was great in the sense that I, I'm, I'm watching and looking at the expressions of Patrick Mahomes as that game was unfolding. And there's no doubt that, you know, the turf toe and some of the issues that he had, you know, hampered his abilities and whatnot. But when I look into his eyes or I see, you know, the, 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 just the mannerisms and, and, you know, his expressions and all that, what I see is, is a man who's going to be back to the Super Bowl and he's going to win the MVP, and he's going to win championships again, perhaps multiple championships. I mean, Tom Brady at 43 might win another one at 44, but how much longer does he have? I mean, just to through, through uh, sheer evolution and Mother Nature, I mean, at some point, he's likely going to hand it over to someone, and that someone very likely is going to be Patrick Mahomes. And without turning into the old guys in the Muppet Show, like we've been talking about, would, uh, did you did you two? What do you mean, home, Gordon Miller and Ray Ferraro? <laughs> did you two guys <laughs> at home watch the uh, the halftime show? And what do you think? Because you're not in that demo. I'm not in that demo at all. Not in that dynamic at all. But as I've acknowledged, uh, you know, my two kids, you know, at least gave me uh, a sense of what. Um, was it the weekend? Yeah. That, that, without yeah, the okay. E. Without so, the E. Yeah, without the E. So, so Holly and I were given a, a, a pep talk and a, a bit of a heads up on what to expect from the halftime show. And what was interesting pregame to all of this was the discussion and the wondering whether or not the weekend was going to turn this into a political slant in any way, shape, or form. Normally, isn't that what happens you know, to these megastars who... <clears throat> come on to halftime, which is the grandest stage in pro sport. And, and they acknowledge in some fashion, some more blatantly than others. And both my, my daughter and my son said, no, 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 it's already been talked about and he's not going to do that. So I was wondering whether or not he would. And I don't think that he did. I didn't notice he did, 
what I noticed was the theater and the creativity and the spectacle of the halftime show, even though I recognized a couple of the tunes. I couldn't tell you the names of the songs, but you know, just, yeah. I, you know, I'm 52, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll get in my truck and the station is on whatever station the weekend would normally have his music here on. And, and it's catchy stuff. So I recognize some of it, but I, I enjoyed the spectacle as I might any other Super Bowl halftime. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let, let, should we get into hockey talk now, Robin? Do you have yeah, anything to fo- do? You want to follow that up with anything, Robin, or should we get into hockey? Well, we'll get into hockey, but like I, you know, I've, I'm showing my age. I finally found out how you spell the weekend when it comes to time <laughs> to this artist. There's, there's yeah. no e, and that's only because my son pointed it out. So, yeah. hey, I thought it, I I thought it was terrific. Bryn and I were talking earlier. You know, hey, I love. I love Bruce Springsteen, near classic artists. Enough of guys who haven't put out a song and let alone had a hit in ten or fifteen years. This guy's today. I thought it was terrific. So, okay, let's uh, let's talk about the National Hockey League now. I'm just sensing, and it's funny going into that Edmonton Calgary game. If the Flames had lost that one, it would have been hit the panic button time in Calgary. They've already yeah. hit it kind of in Ottawa. Vancouver is an absolute mess. In Edmonton, everybody's on edge. They don't know which way to go. They're taking on Ottawa twice now. If they lose one of those two, it's going to be panic time in Edmonton. It just seems right now that Toronto and Montreal are the only two places where it's a little calm. But it just tells you how how this shortened schedule is affecting the fan bases, especially on Twitter, is it not? Yeah, no question about that. And, and the North Division as well, right? You know, when you look at the seven Canadian teams, you know, every general manager – in all seven markets, we build a case that their market is the toughest from a, a fan perspective, from a media perspective, from a social media standpoint. They can all build a case that when things aren't going well, they hear about it and they know about it and they hear and know about it on a minute-by-minute basis. Um, that's definitely the case in Vancouver, uh, certainly the case in, in Calgary and Edmonton as well. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to become of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think that Jim Benning has been forced into a tough spot, forced. You know, people forget, even though we remind them in the media on a weekly basis, that, you know, he's got big contracts that he's going to have to deal with, with Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen. It's an 81-5 salary cap. You know, was was Tyler Toffoli going to sign for way less to stay in Vancouver? No, probably not. And he couldn't wait any longer, so he took the best opportunity he had. And he joins a very good team in, in Montreal. Jacob Markstrom, same thing. I mean, these guys earn their position as unrestricted free agents. The Calgary Flames were willing to give him more term than the Vancouver Canucks wanted to. And so their MVP leaves. And what they're left with is a high-quality goaltending tandem in Thatcher Demko, who represents the future of the Canucks, uh, and Braden Holtby, who they hoped would, would not only mentor, but give them quality starts to take some of the heat off the youngster. Uh, but this is a team in Vancouver that is driven by youth. And when youth doesn't have both hands on the wheel, then you're going to hit the ditch every now and again. And that's exactly what they're, they're, they're in now. I also don't buy you guys, you know, we've all been in this game around this game, essentially the same amount of time, which is a long time. And I I think we in the media get a little bit lazy when we look at the obvious storylines. And one of them is the fact that, Travis Green is in the final year of his contract. And therefore, he's anointed lame duck status. 
Do we honestly think that the hockey players in that dressing room, either you know after practice, during the intermissions, post-game, are looking at each other going, well, if our coach had two more years on his contract, we wouldn't be in this predicament. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think that what we do in the media is what we should be doing, especially here in Canada. We pay attention, we dissect, and we analyze everything. There's a lot to digest within that Vancouver Canucks organization, but the answers also have to come internally in Vancouver. Yeah, absolutely. To me, Vancouver, granted, it's it's still early. Uh, they're the surprise in terms of disappointments. I, I look at the Ottawa Senators. I don't think anybody expected them to be uh, near the top of the division. But I'm wondering, I mean, how much rope does DJ Smith have? I mean, the Oilers go in there. They need to get their act in order. Uh if they beat the Senators twice, the Senators are in an even bigger hole. Is it difficult to be patient there because they sort of knew what they had? Or does it get to a point where you can't just spiral out of control? No, I, I don't think so, Robin. Um, and, and, you know, and by when it gets to a point, if we're talking about the, the notion that maybe DJ Smith as head coach is in trouble, uh, I don't see that anytime soon. If, if that were to happen, uh, I think Pierre Dorian, who I think has done a pretty good job, would likely go first. He's got a ton of time for DJ Smith. So if if the organization gets to a point where they've got to make that type of change, then that's coming from ownership. And yeah, I mean, because it's Eugene Melnick, I think we can get to a place pretty quickly where it's believable. Um, but I also, I say that, but I also think that, that Melnick, maybe for the first time in a long time, recognizes that this team is actually in not a bad place. Uh, I don't think that anybody in Ottawa thought that they were going to challenge for a playoff spot this year. Uh, you know, we look at some of the veteran pieces that, that Pierre Dorian brought in there. Well, some of it has to do with bridging a gap between, you know, the young and the experienced, but there's also a salary cap issue that has to be considered here too. And what I mean by that is, you know, the Ottawa Senators are one of the few teams that had to spend to get to the floor of the yeah. salary cap. So that's why you, 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 you bring in a Derek Stepan as an example. You're hoping that Josh Norris is ready. You're hoping that Colin White is ready. But you need an old, experienced horse like Derek Stepan, who, you know, there's some trade speculation swirling around right now to come in and, and show these guys what it takes to win. So... I think Ottawa is further ahead now than they were obviously a year ago because you can see some of the coaching decisions that DJ Smith is making. Colin White had to fight his way back into the lineup. And here's a guy with term on his contract. You know, Eric Brandstrom was sent to the American League or papered to the American League. He's not playing in Belleville. You know, now he's in the lineup and, and you can see the future being represented here. So I, I think that ownership and management understand that all of what the Sens are going through was somewhat predictable. Okay, so you have Montreal and Toronto at the top of the heap here. Montreal are clipping along nicely. Maybe the odd little stumble or whatever, but their goaltending looks good. The defense is not only playing good defense, but providing a little offense. And up front, they're good. Toronto isn't a big surprise to me either. However, some right. tough news for them on Wayne Simmons, who I was really thinking was having a great start to this season. And now he's at, what, six weeks? It's a broken wrist, right? Yeah, yeah it's a broken wrist. And that's a tough one, uh, and and I wouldn't have expected to be saying that 
prior to the start of the season, even with Wayne Simmons, who's a high character guy. I, I just didn't think he was going to be as impactful as he's been for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's certainly helped their power play. You know, he provides that, that layer of accountability that maybe now they, they give to Scott Saburn, who they've signed, although I don't know how much he's going to play, if he's going to play. That'll be up to uh, Sheldon Keefe to, to figure that out. But the one thing that is apparent with the, the Toronto Maple Leafs is how important it is to get production from your bottom six and your top six. You know, Jason Spezza has been as good or better a story than uh, Wayne Simmons. But again, we're splitting hairs here because both guys have been very influential. Um, and, and look, Wayne Simmons isn't a bottom six guy anymore. He was playing in the top six with John Tavares. You know, he's, he's really found his stride in Toronto. It's a six-week injury. It's not a six-month injury. And this is going to give opportunity for some of the other players to find their way. Uh, I look at their third line in Toronto. Jimmy Vesey started in the top six and then played his way down to the third line. So uh, I suspect that he'll get a good look. Ilya Mikheyev, this guy does everything but score. But he's got to start scoring or he's not going to find his way comfortably into their top six. So there'll be opportunity for other players. And an injury like this is far better at this point in the season, even a short and regular season, than it would be in the last quarter of the 56-game regular season or worst-case scenario in the playoffs. because. That's when Toronto is going to need Wayne Simmons and all he can provide. You know, Darren, people out west here, and you've you're, you've worked here, they get a little bit raw sometimes when there's so much focus on the East. Um, but when I look and see Toronto and Montreal playing well at the top of a, a division, I think that's good for hockey in the country. I, I want to see Toronto and Montreal be successful. But now you swing out west. We've touched on the Canucks. We've got the Flames down the road. There's a narrative out here, and it happens year after year uh, the last couple of years. Oh, tick, tick, tick. The Oilers are wasting another year of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's contract. Well, I understand the angst given the last decade plus, but Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl well, they want to win now. They're not close to the end of their careers. What do you think when you look at when you hear that narrative? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I know that you know McDavid and, and probably Drysaddle uh, has great communication with the general manager Kenny Holland. I'm sure they have you know good communication uh, with Dave Pippett, and and you know any of their concerns would be shared and, and would be dealt with. There isn't a player in the NHL be the best player alive right now in Connor McDavid uh, or a fourth line player who doesn't want to do everything within their power to win. And they want everybody doing the same thing, including management and the coaching staff. So, you know, at the end of a disappointing season, and I'm not suggesting it's going to be for the Edmonton Oilers, but you know, if it turns out to be that, of course, there's going to be uh, a post-mortem where Connor McDavid has a conversation with Kenny Holland and gives his interpretation of what the needs of this organization are. Maybe it starts in goaltending again, um, you know, but, but you, you look at, at some of the areas that they felt like they had improved on. Um, and I, I think to a degree they have. It wasn't a great start by any stretch of the imagination for Tyson Berry in an Oilers sweater, uh, but he looks of late, like he's gotten more comfortable and, and he's, you know, contributed on that power play. 
the goaltending flat out has to be better. We talked about Ottawa earlier, you know, and Edmonton's playing the, the, the Ottawa Senators. You know, if, if you break down the analytics, and I'm not a huge analytics guy, but I do pay attention to it. I'll bet you the analytics for the Ottawa Senators in their last two games is worse than it was when they were out west. The difference is Matt Murray is stopping the puck for the Ottawa Senators. So I don't put this all at the feet of goaltending all the time, but a save here or there can all of a sudden change the narrative, Robin, that you've talked about. And who's to say that Koskinen or Smith, you know, can't get on a hell of a ride here and, and pull this team along with them. And, and look, I think that that's ultimately what is, is going to be, you know, the, the move forward for the Edmonton Oilers or status quo or, God forbid, they go backwards is the goaltending of this team. And there's not a lot you can do to fix that in season. I, I'm beginning to think the Winnipeg Jets are the Rodney Dangerfield of the North Division because everybody just kind of looks at them and goes, eh. Like to me, yeah. I, I I don't think Connor Hellebuck is is off to a great start, but he's been doing fine, and their record is their record is good, but yet nobody yeah. seems to be talking about them or even bringing them up in the same ilk, or in the same yeah. uh, group as Toronto and uh, and Montreal Canadiens. Uh, is it because they're stuck in the middle of the country where it's probably minus forty seven today? <laughs> it probably is. Uh, yeah, I, I, but you know what, <clears throat> I. I think that's exactly the way Paul Maurice and Kevin Shoveldayoff of have wanted. Yeah. I think they love it. And Blake Wheeler as well. Maybe Mark Shifley. Those guys don't give a rat's, you know what, uh, about accolades or, or where we in the media or the rest of the country has them slotted, you know, in that North Division. At the end of the day, they want to be in the top four. You know, that, that's how they're going to measure their level of success is first, you know, making the playoffs and then seeing whether or not they can, you know, hit all cylinders in that postseason. Now, in the short term, I think all of us are really looking forward to seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois actually play a game. You know, before we started recording, I joked that it feels like that trade with the Columbus Blue Jackets was like two months ago. I mean, and that's us. I mean, we we have no skin in any of this. I mean, imagine if you're Maurice or your Dubois teammates or your Pierre-Luc Dubois who finally got the get-out-of-jail-free card and, and joined his new teammates uh, in the dressing room and the arena environment and actually practiced the other day. But I, I, I like the Winnipeg Jets. Um, there's something not quite right about Blake Wheeler physically, uh, but you know, a lot of teams and a lot of players can say that. As long as they are healthy, man, they're every bit as good as the rest of the pack. And, and they, for me, are comfortable in the conversation of top three, worst case, top four in the North Division. Darren, the ongoing COVID pandemic, I mean, everybody is so sick of it. We know how well the NHL handled it in the bubble uh, for the play-ins and the playoffs in Edmonton and Toronto. But we do have issues, not here in the North Division, but in the States, Buffalo, Minnesota, uh, there was Carolina, I think. Yeah. Um, so far, we're pretty clean up here. But I wonder, um, is it kind of fingers crossed, hoping that we don't have anything more major than we've seen so far? Because there's really not a lot of time to postpone a whole lot of games while everybody gets healthy and passes protocols. Well, when you see the schedule makers of the National Hockey League 
uh, rescheduling into May, well, then you know that they've run out of runway, right? Because you've got that buffer, which is early to mid-May. That's a one-week uh, you know, fit-in, whereby if they don't jam all the games in uh, in a condensed schedule already, then that's the, the time allotment that they have. And then otherwise, you, you know, your only other option is to push back the start of the playoffs. Commissioner Bettman wants no part of that for a couple of reasons. Obviously, number one, his partnership with NBC uh, and the potential of the Summer Olympics and, you know, how that snarls up their schedule. And then number two is, you know, the National Hockey League and everybody involved, us included, want the league to get back to its normal calendar as soon as possible. 82 games starting in October, ending in April. And everybody wants that, you know, through the the 21-22 season. Um, but you're right. How how can the league continue to take blow after blow after blow from COVID-19? You know, they, they just can't when they're shutting things down. And what we're going to start to see, and, and maybe we've already seen it in the last week, I, I'd have to think back or look back at, at some of the rescheduled statements and, and releases that have come out. We're going to start to see a lot of five games and seven night scenarios. And that is really pushing the uh, yeah. fatigue factor for these players. It, it really, truly is. But, you know, the schedule makers don't have a lot of choice. And the argument coming back is, well, it's not really five and seven because the teams get the day off before game one of that five-game stint starts. And then they get a day off after they've played five games and seven. So really it's five and nine. It's No, it's five and seven. Yeah. You know, physically they've played five games in a seven-day window. Um, so. I'd like to say it can't get worse, but I said that last week, and I said it the week before, and I said it the week before. And what's curious to me, and obviously I'm not an expert in this field, and I understand it, you know, you can't have the commissioner's office and league coming out and saying, wow, we don't need our scientists to tell us that the players are, in fact, you know, attracting the virus, you know, on ice or playing against one another, because as soon as we do that, then the health authorities are probably going to come in and say, okay, we're shutting this down because we, we, we can't have that. But really, I mean, Buffalo believed they were clean before they faced off against the New Jersey Devils. Both teams get shut down. Colorado, Minnesota, Colorado believed they were clean. Then they play a mini series against the, the Minnesota Wild, and Minnesota and Colorado get shut down. So do we need the scientists to clarify or confirm what appears to be pretty obvious. So I don't know, this, this kind of rankles me a little bit, obviously, but uh, long winded answer, Robin, the league can't endure much more of this before the reality of pushing back the start of the Stanley cup playoffs uh, is, is ha- it has to be embraced. I don't see any other way. Just listening to you talk here. Am I being led to believe that there's American teams in this league? <laughs> yes, yes. As a matter of fact, there are. But I got to tell you guys, I don't know how what what your weekend or weekly or daily viewing is. Uh, I, I mean, we all have to watch hockey because primarily that's what we talk about. Yeah. Um, but I'm sitting there on most nights, and I'm zipping through, and I, I'm watching two American teams. I'll watch for like three minutes, and then I'll go. Ah, you know what? I'm, I'm going over here because. You know, well, Saturday night was a classic example with 
you know, the Battle of Alberta and whatnot. And there were other interesting games being played. It's not like the level of hockey is that much more intense in Canada. It feels like it is for us because we're developing these rivalries and we're, we're, we're seeing these captivating storylines in every Canadian market. But it's honestly, for me, that's been my biggest challenge is staying in tune with what's going on with some of these All-American games. It's, it's been rough. Well, Yellowstone is a hell of a series on Netflix or whatever, if you get a chance. Uh, buddy, I, my wife and I are, uh, what are we, two episodes into season three? There you go. And we've started rationing now because I don't know when season four, maybe you guys know when season four is coming out. I don't, but I love it. I, I loved it from episode one. It's just, hey, you know, this is... This is how, uh, how my level of arrogance. I, I know I would never be a good actor. I've done enough ridiculous things with James Duffy over the years and, and the odd commercial and whatnot where I just know I'm terrible at it. I'm just bad at it. But, but because I grew up on a farm, I'm arrogant enough to think that if I had a billion dollars in farmland or ranch land, I'd be exactly like Kevin Costner. You've done opera, for God's <laughs> sakes, you guys. <laughs> Man, What's that? you and Duffy actually did an opera. Did, were you guys doing something like explain that one to me while while I'm thinking about it? What happened? Yeah, there? it was a na- it was a national ballet in oh, Toronto, and it was around Christmas time. And uh, James and I were approached to do the the Nutcracker. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, in, in essence, uh, it's on it's on YouTube. It was just ridiculous. Uh, um, in essence, we were brought on the national stage to be two clowns. And uh, thankfully, there was no dialogue. There was very little ballet involved in it. It was just me kind of ragdolling James Duffy. So uh, I enjoyed myself, but we haven't been invited back. So maybe that's a clear indication of how poor our performances were. A couple things I got to ask you about. And not, not sports related. Yeah, no problem. What's the what's the background of that picture? I've seen you tweet with Leo Routens with his face pushed up against the glass. Yeah, and and uh, is that your wonderful dog in your uh, profile photo? That Dalmatian. Well, you know what, Robin, uh, you and and about a thousand other people have crossed on streets here in Brooklyn, Ontario, have made that mistake. She's actually a Harlequin Great Dane. Um, oh. Yeah. she's uh, Her name is Tiny. Um, she weighs 130 pounds. Wow. She's relatively small by Great Dane status, to be fair. Uh, but no, she is my buddy. Uh, we spend a lot of time together, which has been a godsend uh, here in uh, the pandemic. Um, but yeah, she's just a wonderful beast. Uh, but the, the 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 picture of Leo Routens, I was trying to be funny, and I was trying to lure Ray Ferraro into the the Twitter chat. So in 2011, you guys have probably seen the video. It's prior to Game Seven. We're we're about to do a, a panel chat for TSN, um, and we were set up right on the the coast in Vancouver, offsite away from the arena. Just a beautiful set, but it was encased in glass. And Ferraro was late. And, and so he's scurrying to get on set. And he, he, he just loses his mind for a moment. And he turns a hard right, thinking it's the plate glass door. But it's not. It's a plate glass wall. And he just smucks his face. 
like hard into the glass. And so I did a, as soon as it happened, he turns around and he's looking like, number one, he's like, what just happened? And then number two, he's like, I'm an idiot. He split his nose wide open and had to go to emergency at a Vancouver hospital to get stitched up. So we posted the video on the rain drag social medias in the last couple of weeks or so. But I saw Leo Routens do something and he was being funny, you know, either with uh, Jack Armstrong or Matt Dublin or, or whoever who uh, he was broadcasting a Raptors game with recently where they've got the glass dividers, right? Yeah. So he's got his face pressed up against the glass. Hello. And he just reminded, yeah, and reminded me of Ferrero butching his face in 2011 prior to game seven. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, we could talk about a million topics today. It just seems like, uh, you know, it's just, is there anything in your coffee? You got a little Bailey's going in your coffee or anything? Is is this, or you got to no. get the actual work soon? No, no. Well, I do. Uh, I'm actually doing the Oilers Sens game. Um, so here's what happens. This is part of my morning routine. And, and this is my Ability Center uh, mug. So wonderful venue here in uh, Whitby, Ontario. They do such good work at the Ability Center. Um, but I power drink like now you guys, I need your help with it. So I've got a Keurig machine, so I'll put the pods in. Okay. Right. Right. So, but so I put one pod in, I drink that cup of coffee. Then I lift the lid and I turn the, the, the K cup and then I put it on strong and I'll reuse that same K cup. Right. So that's my second cup. And I'll do that with two K-cups. So am I technically drinking four cups of coffee? Or am I really just drinking two cups of coffee because the other two are diluted? That's So in my brain, oh, see, Robin, you, you've got the four fingers up. I'm thinking that I'm really only drinking two fully caffeinated cups of coffee. So from a health perspective, it's fine um, because the other two are diluted. But either way, when, when I get through that, then I go to hot water and lemon slices. I don't know if you can see it. I can see those. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, so uh, then I drink. You were diluted. Straight vodka. Straight vodka. You were diluted if you're thinking that. <laughs> so so I, I'm drinking four cups of coffee. I think that's basically what you're doing. But if you convince yourself yeah. it's two, then that's good. That's fine. But I don't know. I got to cut back. I got to cut back then. So no, that's hot water and lemon. All right, before we let you go, have you talked to the retired guy lately or no? I have, but he annoys the crap out of me because, uh, I mean, Bob is still working, right? But he's he's got a beautiful place in Florida. So, you know, we've got a group chat. It's it's myself, it's Frank Saravalli, it's Bob McKenzie, Pierre LeBron, Steve Dryden, and, and it's an insider trading sort of group chat. Yeah. Uh, but it, it'll often... On the weekends, you know, I'm not a wine guy per se, but Pierre Lebrun and Bob McKenzie are wine snobs. So they'll get sharing pictures of the wine that they're drinking. Well, Sarah Valley uh, on the weekend tweets that they just got another 10 inches of snow in Philly where he lives. But he's been shoveling for the last four or five days. And McKenzie tweets out a picture. He's walking on the beach in Florida. <laughs> or he'll, he, play, he played Calusa Pines, which is a world-renowned golf course last week or 10 days ago. So like I said, he's starting to annoy me, uh, but I do stay in touch with him for sure. And no, no outdoor rink for you this year. That's uh, a bit of a shocker. I, I did not know that until we were just briefly chatting on the weekend. Yeah. Well, it was, it was actually kind of good. Yeah. I, I moved. Um, 
And because of where I've moved, I've got a smaller yard. I could pull it off, but I, I've got to do some landscaping, which probably is going to happen in, in the spring. So I might have one for next year, but I actually got busy. I, I, I did a campaign with Canadian Tire, um, backyard ring campaign. Great. Uh, puck drop operation. Operation Puck Drop is what it was called. It was fun. We had, we had a great deal of enjoyment out of it, and I'm, I'm hoping to do it again. But uh, that then conjured all sorts of requests from people who follow me on social media and whatnot. So I ended up, you know, spending a lot of time, you know, FaceTiming kind of the backyard rink builders. I did one yesterday on Sunday, as a matter of fact, uh, with a guy who's a first timer and he was having some issues. So, you know, I'm talking to him on FaceTime and I'm kind of counseling him through some of the the areas that he's going to have to work on. It's like minus 12, minus 15 in the Toronto area this week. So, all the backyard rink builders are having a field day. So I didn't have one for myself or my family, but uh, I ended up spending a lot of time on other people's backyard rink. We're, we're out of time, but we got to get you on more than once every six months. But yeah. we hate to chew up your time because it's so valuable, but this has been fun, and thank you. And uh, well, I love the fact that we veered on to a bunch of different <laughs> topics. That's why I was asking what was in your coffee. Well, you guys are old buddies, so you know that anytime you need me, uh, I'll be here for you. And I, I no, it's it's at, at best, let's say three, because let's say that there's half the caffeine in each of the other cups, so it's three instead of four. All right, <laughs> Double D, thanks. This has been great as always. We'll uh, we'll catch you uh, soon enough. Okay, catch up. All right, guys. All, All right. right, be well. Thanks for having me. See ya. Thanks, Darren. Joining us from 6.30, Chad in Edmonton is one of the radio voices of the Edmonton football team, and that is Dave Campbell. How you doing, Dave? Hey, guys. Great to be here. How, how are you doing? Fine, thanks. Okay, well, we're going to go down the same road we did with Drager. You watched the Super Bowl, and did you turn into one of the old grumpy guys from uh, from the Muppet Show where you hated the halftime show because you just couldn't relate to it and you didn't even know how to spend, spell the weekend? First of all, the halftime show is the halftime show. I think we make too much into this, and obviously yeah. social media. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my opinion in five seconds here, so everyone can know how I feel, whether I love it or hate it. I, it was fine with me, you know. Um, I wonder how many people got upset that uh, a Canadian band was uh, performing the halftime show in a Super Bowl because all I hear about is when an American band uh, does a halftime show for Grey Cup. Well, that shouldn't be that way. Yeah. There should be a Canadian band. If you're good, you're good, and if you're if you're if you're able. If, if the committee is able to attract you, then that's a good, that's a good thing for me. Um, the game itself. Huh, I mean, I, I was flip-flopping back and forth all week. Chiefs, Bucks, Chiefs, Bucks. How do you go against the Chiefs? I mean, Pat Mahomes is almost Superman, right? Like he's amazing uh, at what he's been able to accomplish in a short uh, NFL career. But as the week got longer, the offensive line injuries just really didn't stick well with me. And yeah. the front four, front six of the Bucks. I thought that, you know, they have a real chance here to take over. And I know Brady's the story as far as winning his seventh Super Bowl and uh, winning more Super Bowls and franchises <laughs> in the history of the NFL. And there's so many things you say about Tom Brady. What a story. But to me, the Bucks D was the story. I've never seen Pat, Patrick Mahomes 
in so much duress, looking so frustrated. Like the look on his face was just, I've never seen him look that distraught and that frustrated before. So uh, it's a heck of a story. I mean, for the first time that, a, that, that the host team wins or hosts a game in a Super Bowl and then wins it, this is quite the story. So, uh, you know, congrats on the NFL. They found a way to get through this COVID uh, time and, and finish their season. They had some bumps in the road, but they got they got it done. Well, Dave, Pat Mahomes is going to win a Super Bowl. He's a talented uh, young quarterback. Uh, you know, he's going to have his – he's going to hoist that thing more than once. So, but back to Brady. Um, where were you on Brady, you know, his status going into this season? Oh, is he – He's 43. Is he hanging on for another year? Why didn't he just call it quits with New England? There's lots of narrative out there. I was more impressed with this than just about anything. New team, no Belichick, none of this. Well, it's the Pats. They've got some sort of winning machine. He goes to a new team at 43 years old and wins another Super Bowl. I'm just going, come on, man. Is there anything this guy can't do? Yeah, good point. And and just because you are Tom Brady, just because you are, you know, a six-time Super Bowl champion and the greatest of all time, doesn't mean you automatically go into a new locker room and get the buy-in from everybody. Because there might be players on that team that say, I, I can't stand you, I hate you, I don't like you. Um, you know, you know what people say, oh, you the refs call it your way kind of, kind of deal. I don't like you. I don't like your reps. So there is a buy-in that has to happen and, and a trust. And it wasn't good for the first uh, part of the season. And they were 7-5 and five after a loss to the Chiefs in the regular season. And I also didn't think – I mean, you knew that, okay, there might be a little bit of friction between Brady and Belichick, but overall they found a way to get through it. They always found a way. With Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, I always felt Bruce Arians wanted it his way, where Tom Brady is saying, I need it to be this way. I mean, I'm watching Bucks games uh, before, uh, you know, well, after that Chiefs game, and I'm going, why are you five-step dropping your quarterback who's 43 and can't move? Get the ball out of his hands. And I think after the bad start against the Chiefs, we started to see that, where Bruce Arians is all of a sudden is going, okay, let's start to do what Tom is comfortable with. So it's a remarkable story, honestly. And, and not everyone can do what Tom Brady was able to do, but there's something in his leadership ability that he was able to garner the trust of a new group because that's hard to do. I mean, it's not like he's the established quarterback with the New England Patriots. Did you bring someone new in? I mean, you're going to conform or get out, right? Brady had to convince an entire group that, you know, especially on offense, that, uh, you know, his way, and I say his way a lot because, I mean, a lot of it was his way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for, for, a group to, to do that and respect their coaching staff at the same time and to pull out this victory is is absolutely impressive. Dave, one of the things that, that I was, I, you know, sometimes when you're watching something happening, you think to how you thought about the situation six months earlier. And when he decided to make the jump to Tampa, I had that same feeling that I had when Michael Jordan decided to join the Washington Wizards, and I went, oh, please, I can't. It, this can't end like that. I don't want to see a great career just kind of, you know, peter out the way it did for Michael. It didn't work that way yeah. in in Brady's case. And as he's holding the trophy up, I'm thinking, 
I don't know how many guys I know are, are able to uh, say that I'm not only the best at my position in this league, but I'm going to be considered one of the greatest athletes in a sport, in a professional sport ever. And that kind of kind of came across my head last night as I'm watching him. But do you view it like that? Well, consider he's the only other quarterback than Peyton Manning to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. So it shows you how hard it is to do in, in, in the NFL. It's hard. It is really hard to do. I'm a New England Patriots fan. I've been a fan since the early 90s. So this, this predates Tom Brady about, you know, close to 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Pats fan because I love how Drew Bledsoe played football because he was fearless and threw the ball down the field and in an era where it was, we were getting too many six, three, nine, six, uh, type of, type of results. Um, I felt the writing was on the wall during that whole season. Just you just get a sense of what you read and what you hear. That that I think Tom Brady wanted another challenge. I, I wouldn't say he was bored or anything like that. I would say he was someone that was professional at everything he did. But I think he got frustrated with the situation um, in New England, and I think he just wanted a new challenge. And um, I mean, he couldn't have picked a better spot. I mean, you look at the weapons they have on offense, and then you added Leonard Fournette, who. And then you added Rob Gronkowski, and I thought that was interesting too. You had two potential afterthoughts in that offense at the start of the season. And Gronk looked like an afterthought throughout the playoffs even. And he factors in big time. Leonard Fournette, I mean, he, he's the number one back. He, he supplanted Rob, uh, Ronald Jones throughout the season. But, you know, I, I think Brady is uh, pretty smart at reading his situation very well. And I also think he... He's very much in control of his legacy. And he felt probably that it was starting to wane in, in New England as much as he loved being in New England. And, you know, he, he can forge his, the, the, the rest of the path of his, of his career. You know, he wants to play one, two more seasons. He could play beyond that if uh, they keep playing the way they play. It's just hard to keep a group together in a, in a cap era, even, even in the NFL. So, I mean, Brady is really great at, at understanding his uh, his environment, his situation, and he's really good at controlling his his own narrative and his own le- and his own legacy. Okay, can I throw out seven names at you, and and we're just going to watch the look on your face, and okay. then you can have a thought or two on this. The football club here in Edmonton have released their finalists for their new name, seven, and they are Evergreens. Eagles, Elk Hounds, Eclipse, Elk, Evergolds, and Elements. Now, I know you're on the broadcast, so you can't can't really be too harsh on any of these. But, okay, so let's go a little different way. Of all those seven, is there one that stands out for you that you kind of like? Can I I give you two? Sure. Okay. So I would rank them this way with, with my top two. I would I like elk and I like eagles. I, I would rather they put an S on the end of elk. It's funny. Uh, on uh, I work with Reed Wilkins, of course, on Inside Sports, and and we had a we had an Alberta Wildlife uh, uh, officer on, and we asked him about, hey, tell us about the elk, and we asked him, should it be elk or elk? And he said, no, it's it's elk. So if they pick that name, put an S on the end. Um, I like those two names. I was kind of surprised that, you know, I heard, I heard, uh, instead of Eagles, I heard Golden Eagles, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of like that name, you know? Uh, what I am surprised about is we didn't see some of the names bandied about back in November 
uh, November, December that are not on this list. Uh, there's an express, there's an energy, there is an evolution, there isn't uh, Empire. engineers. Yeah, em- well, Empire got ruled out day after they retired the Eskimos name because it was deemed as maybe a bit troublesome down the road. Yes. Um, even though they, they really built a campaign around it a couple of years ago. Uh, so, you know, hey, there they are. You know, it, it, it's interesting, too, that Morley Scott, uh, you can actually, when you do the survey on on S.com, which will change when the new name uh, comes around as well, uh, he actually did a little mock play-by-play and saying touchdown Eagles, touchdown Elk. So you can check that out, too. So, But, you know, here, here we are. We're down to the final seven. We're going to know in probably two months what the name is. But for me, again, I'm a little surprised at some of the names that we did not hear or that we heard earlier before the before 2020 ended are not on this list but for me i i like elk and i like eagles you know it's interesting dave you just said a name i hadn't given much thought to and when you said evolution i thought i like that yeah it it just it describes the situation there is a name change after many years We've evolved. Uh, we know the reasons for the name change. Now it's not a, it's not a finalist. Tell me this, and I should probably know it, but I don't. Was the idea to keep the EE strictly a branding and uh, identity? Uh, you know, is that the is that the reason for it? and the cost to get rid of a lot of stuff that says EE? without saying the old name, because to me, if you were to limit the possibilities, you couldn't pick too many more letters that are tougher to get a name from than E. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a fair point. I think, I think it was controversial enough to retire the name Eskimos that I, I think there's some in the fan base that are accepting of it. I know there's some of the fan base that go, I'll never watch a game again. I'm like, oh, okay. It's easy to say. Whatever. 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 That's fine. Um, but you have to realize there's a lot in your fan base that are not happy about this. And I think if you drastically change the color scheme, change the logo, get away from double E, I don't know how much more damage you're going to do. Because I would say there's some damage, but I would say it's it's not like catastrophic damage. There's people that are going to be upset. There's people if they walk away, they walk away. That's fine. Uh, and it's not fine, but you understand it's going to happen, yeah. right? Uh, you know, I do agree with you, Robin, to this degree. You are marrying yourself to one letter of the alphabet, and it's tough, right? Um, on the other hand, I think if you get rid of the double E, if you get rid of the green and gold scheme, that's just way too much change. And, and, and let's also remember, too, the double E logo, is it going to be the primary logo or is it going to be the secondary logo? It's possible they come up with a new primary logo. So I just think you've got to keep some tradition alive because retiring the name Eskimos was a lot for people. I mean, I think we understand yeah. why it was done. Um, but at the same time, it's very controversial for a lot of your fan base if you rip, you know, the, the, the team, the team colors and the logo away, I don't know how much damage you would do. I, I, I started to think how much you would do as far as damage goes. I, I, so I do agree with the, the colors and the double E. 
Well, well, today I'd like to see it EBC for Edmonton Bone Chilling Cold, or something like that. Something yeah. that <laughs> something that's reflective. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about what's going on. Aaron Grimes is back. It's starting yeah. to look like we might actually have a season. How are you feeling about things? Well, I, I think the job that Brock Sunderland has done here has been pretty good. You know, I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, he's." not spending to the cap floor. What are you talking about? And I'm going, well, actually he is. <laughs> you know, I think people get attached to names that, Oh, look at all these names. They must be costing them millions of dollars. No. Uh, I mean, I think there was a market set before. I mean, you know how it works, you guys, where are you spending your money? Quarterbacks, offensive line, pass rushers and dynamic receivers. The rest, unless you're really, really special, you're going to get the money. Um, so I think Brock Sunderland has done a good job of, uh, you know, of retaining a core and bringing some players in and some familiar names like, like Aaron Grimes and Darrell Walker. You know, when I look about the prospect or think about the prospect of the 2021 season, I think they're going to get on the field somehow. You know, I, I, I can't imagine that these teams are rolling back to the tune of millions of dollars with player salaries that we have seen uh, executives and teams roll back their salaries. We've seen the league office sadly be decimated down to, you know, basically, and they're at 90. Now they're under, I think, about 40. Um, I can't imagine they're doing all of this not to play. The problem with the CFL right now is they have more questions than answers. And, and the thing that drives me nuts is when people say they're not doing anything, there's no plans. Although there's plans, they just don't know which one they can pitch right now. And when we're sitting here almost mid-February and you want to kick off in June, how do you know what the environment's going to be like? We don't know what it's going to be like next week or the rest of this week, right? So uh, they're working, but they're in a tough spot right now. So I could see a delayed start to the season. I could see a two-thirds to half season. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I have no idea. It just depends on what the environment is like. I think the NHL playing in Canada does help because they have something to go off of. NFL somewhat, but there are places in the U.S. as you two fine gentlemen know that it's like the virus doesn't exist in their jurisdiction, right? So um, Canada's pretty strict, but the NHL found a way to get on onto the ice and play. And there's, I think there's some things they could probably take from that. So, you know, and as far as will there be fans in the stands? I don't know. That's a good question. I know they've, they've modeled everything from 10% all the way up to full stadiums. And there is a possibility of no fans. There is a possibility of a bubble. But I just think you have to play. You have to find a way to play. Optically, and I congratulate the CEBL at a great tournament uh, in Ontario last summer with the Edmonton Singers winning. You know, congrats on the CPL for having their Island Games tournament, uh, which has also involved uh, SC Edmonton. You know, you look at the NWHL, they found, they tried to do it. They, they didn't finish their season. But I see all these other leagues finding a way, and I would want the CFL to do the same thing. Um, I, I do think that they'll find a way to get it done. Um, and I think they, that in, in a lot of ways, they don't have a choice. They have to play. They have to play for the, for the, for the health of this league. And I'm not saying the league will, will go away and die. I think there's a will and a want to from several levels to have this league survive. But from an exposure standpoint, they got to find a way to play. Yeah. You know, Dave, I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, we just saw a Super Bowl play different country, different rules. I get it. Play a season. Hopefully, we're on the right track with vaccinations and all the other uh, COVID stuff that's coming. Not everybody's going to be vaccinated. I get that. 
but get some people in the stands, as you referred to, whether it's 10% or 20% or 50% even, hopefully down the road, let's play because it tends to be out of sight, out of mind, especially when, uh, you know, the market is fickle. People find something else to do. Does everybody leave and never come back? No, but let's not, let's not miss two seasons. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when I think about the last couple of months or even, you know, here in Edmonton, when Brock Sunderland started to, to sign players on Boxing Day, I mean, it started with Trevor Harris restructuring his deal. Yeah. But there's there was there's so much excitement generated from that moment to, to now and we're on the eve of CFL free agency and there's a lot of excitement. You know, there's a lot of fans that, that are looking forward to seeing football and then to, to not have it would be really devastating. But it, it just tells me there's still a lot of momentum within this country for the CFL. And uh, I'm with you, Robin. Like, if, I think if you can find a way to get even 10%, get 10% in there. Um, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money off 10%, but at least it's something, and at least it, it generates an atmosphere. And I think the CFL wants something to scale anyway. So I think if you start with, I mean, hopefully it won't be no fans, but let, let's just say if you start with 10%, can you scale it up and get up to 20, get up to 25, get up to 35, perhaps? But um, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I had a lot of mixed emotions about the league canceling the 2020 season. Uh, and I, I, my, my view is if it's only $30 million, then do it yourself, do it yourself. You came this far to plan for it. You came this far to agree with a new collective bargaining agreement with the players. You're ready to play. I mean, the plan's in place play now by the end of that season. I mean, things were getting bad across the country again. So I don't know if they would have been able to finish the season. I don't know. But it just hurt the league from, you got to get yourself out there again, right? You can't have two missed seasons in a row. And I don't think we're going to have two missed seasons in a row. I do believe they're going to get out there and play this year. Hey, we we got to wrap things up here. But, boy, it's hard to believe we didn't hear you on at all in Edmonton football broadcast last year. And we look forward to <laughs> hopefully hearing you and Morley back in the broadcast booth at Commonwealth Stadium. But thanks for your time today. Great seeing you, by the way. Great seeing both of you, and uh, Brent, I'm glad your uh, your health is uh, is coming around there. So, uh, hey, all the best to you, buddy. All the best to you, Robin. Wow, that one went by real quick today, Robin. Obviously, Darren Drager joining us from TSN and Dave Campbell from 630 Jet in Edmonton, one of the voices of the Edmonton Football Club. Okay, before we get going we and before we leave, we have to tell everybody that the Outsiders are brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. The team right now super excited about a new promotion they've got going for sellers. I love this idea. Not only are they providing professional photography, they're doing the 360 tours. If you've ever been on any of the real estate sites You see how much fun that can be. Also, they've got the video floor plans of all of their listings, which allow you to kind of work your way around. It's amazing uh, what's transpired, in particular over the last three years. But they've now added a thing called a Coming Soon campaign where you uh, actually can start marketing your listing seven to ten days before showings. And what this is, it's like a coming attractions thing. You can see what's coming up on the market. gives you an opportunity, if you like any one of those places, to, uh, to kind of start to get your finances going so that when that place does come up, you know that you're ready to go. So uh, anyway, I think it's fantastic. 
If uh, if you'd like some more information, give Brent or any of his team members a call at the McIntosh Group for more information. And please tell them that the insiders sent you. Once again, to reach them, it's 780-464-0075 or mcintoshgroup.ca. Looking for buyers, sellers, and a new agent, give them a call. How do you want to wrap this baby up today? Quickly, I think we said all that needs to be said. Guests were terrific. Uh, nice to talk to Dave, too, about the football situation. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, here's to having a football season, please. That would be fantastic. By the way, you could email us at, there's an email address, theoutsiders at jaw.ca. Anybody you would like us to try to track down and talk to, any suggestions on show topics, just drop us an email, theoutsiders at jaw.ca. You can also check us out on Twitter. Simple handle. It is at Outsiders2020. And the other thing, too, please make sure you tell your friends and subscribe to us. Hit the RSS feed. And that way, every time we drop a new episode, you get it right away on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. And also, your support is greatly appreciated. Financial support is also really greatly appreciated it. And, uh, and if you have any interest in being a potential advertiser, just drop us an email once again at theoutsiders at shaw.ca. Robin, that's it. Uh, no football for a while now. We're done with the Super Bowl, and uh, we've also learned how to spell weekend. Uh, the, I guess my, uh, my spell check is going to have to find a way to drop the E out of weekend for me to look like I'm kind of with it, one of the cool hip kids, you know, so. Anyway, yeah, it's too late for that. <laughs> yeah, too late for that. Way, <laughs> way, way too late for that. Robin, thanks for your time today, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, that was great. Talk to you later, man. All right. In the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Another edition. One thing.